0: Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player. This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I will
1: move to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it
0: what's up everybody welcome into the all 22 podcast it's super bowl week i'm here with ray we're talking all things super bowl we got a couple other things to talk about today but it is like you know it's the dream right like we're at the end of the season this is what we all fight for this is what all our teams fight for it's not my team it's not your team but it's still the super bowl i'm pumped i'm excited to go ray how are you feeling sad
1: Super Bowl is very sad. It's the sad bowl. That's it. It's 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 all over, and there's no like fun Pro Bowl. I might be in the minority. This might be a minority opinion. I loved the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl. It's like you had this big like you know the the, the pinnacle of the sport, and it's like okay, a week later, you all get to kind of relax and look back on all the fun you had along the way, and that's gone now. Now it's before the Super Bowl, and. They played dodgeball and everything, and yeah, the dodgeball is cool. I'm not complaining about the dodgeball, and you know, I I miss some of the old skill competitions, but yeah, I liked the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl, so that way you still had like one last thing to kind of look forward to and just mindlessly enjoy before the long, treacherous
0: off season. I'm in full agreement on that. It should be after this after the Super Bowl. And especially because then those players might show up and enjoy themselves too, right? So kind of excludes two of the best teams and some of the best players in the NFL. Uh if if you could create a new skills competition, which would you create? Oh man. I have a good one. uh yeah.
1: Cause you've thought about this and you're putting me on I the spot and I have, I didn't think about, about it. it. You asked me the question it's obviously been on your mind. Nope. You know what I would do? I would go back to the days of Madden 2005 where you had all the mini camp drills, you know, like you had the rushing attack. You had like uh if you were a corner, you had like the, the jugs machine and it would just like fire passes to some of the sticks in the downfield and you have to go bat the ball down and maybe pick it off. I would try to recreate something like that. One of those drills I'm not sure you could do the rushing attack one because it's full contact and like two hand touch kind of lame or whatever, right? But if you could do some of those like the wide receiver drills where you got to just the judge machine just fires a pass, you got to run under it, or you're a DB and you just you don't know where the pass is going and you got to run as fast as you can to try to knock it down and whoever gets the highest score wins. I think some type of competition related to that, based off of those drills, I think would would make the whole the whole experience multitudes better.
0: That would. All right, you ready for mine? I know you're ready for yours because you thought about this, and I had not I didn't. I, I promise. Answer. So sure, right, go ahead. I promise I didn't. Hot dog eating contest. You get, never you, get you get. a skills player, like an intermediate and a, and a big man, and you make like three teams, right? Or however many teams you want to compete, right? And like the, the big guy's the anchor, right? So if you're down by like 10 hot dogs, that dude's got to catch up at the end. I think that would make for excellent television.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you clearly haven't thought about this.
0: <laughs> <Dude>. um, yeah.
1: <laughs> there will be clauses and contracts like forbidding skill players to to partake in that competition. Like imagine Eddie Lacey. He he probably made the Pro Bowl as an ultra. I don't know. But like imagine Eddie Lacey. Like that's your running back. And you're like, oh man, maybe if he could just, you know, get get in some <laughs> better shape this offseason, he'll be even better than he was last
0: year. And then he participates in the hot dog heating contest. Yeah. Eddie Lacey and Zion are like <laughs> like the two. Oh man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So first question that I did not prepare you for. And this one I know I didn't prepare you for. You didn't prepare me for any of these questions. Come on. You're ready. You're ready to go. Spot. You're that guy. What does playing in the Super Bowl mean for your fantasy players? What does it mean for my fantasy players, like how I look at them heading into the next season? Yeah, like, for example, the reason this came to mind is because I was thinking about a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I was thinking about a guy like Brock Purdy. Then making it to the Super Bowl is exciting as a fantasy owner Mm -hmm. of those players, right? It's something I look forward to. I'm saying it proved that my guy is good enough to do this, which means that He'll get better extensions. He's going to make more money. He'll be the starter for this team for longer. What does it mean for my running back shares of Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Pacheco? It's like they just have three or four more games on their their yeah, it's belt, eighty right? more touches right there, That's, right? Yeah. So, how do you look at it? Are like, is it position dependent, or are you always happy that your players make the Super Bowl?
1: It's most it's less position dependent and more how good the player is. If it's a tier one player as long as he doesn't get injured, then it doesn't really change how I view the player. Someone like Brock Purdy. Yes. That's, you know, that, that helps his future prospects kind of more job security and such. Right. But if, but if I'm looking at someone like um, you know, Abosa, obviously like whatever happens in the Super, Bowl, he could be completely shut down or he could have four sacks. It doesn't change anything as to how I look at him. Right now, if there's a player at the end of my roster, like a Jair Tig Brown uh, at safety, who has maybe, you know, maybe I picked him up off of waivers during the season. He's my fourth or fifth guy uh, in my safety depth chart. He goes and has a big game and kind of, you know, catapults himself into the conversation to be like a full-time starter or someone that uh, they're really going to invest in in the future as a result of his performance. And at that point, that's, that's a bonus, right? So I think for the most part, outside of injury, It can only help the players on my roster that make the Super Bowl, probably outside of running back. Because like you mentioned, that's one where everybody has a finite amount of touches. And if you made it to the Super Bowl, you play what, four extra games. That's that's possibly 80 to 100 extra touches on the body. That's another quarter of a season. It starts to add up.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think that's that's where the basis of the question came from. A guy like Isaiah likely making it as far as he did, the Ravens making it as far as he did, and him getting the opportunities that he had, I think it only helped, right? It was exciting. He was playing against the best competition. He looked very, very good, right? But yeah, a Christian McCaffrey just getting more wear and tear on his body as he ages, concerning. Travis Kelsey, even, in my opinion, it's a little concerning because he's a guy that's kind of been flirting with retirement. He wins a Super Bowl. Does he say, I had enough? I even heard somebody say, like, how cool would it be if him and his brother got elected to the Hall of Fame the same year? Yeah. And if he wins the the Super Bowl, I'd be incentivized to do that, right? What else does he have to prove? So those are all things. I think uh, another interesting note, the safety from Penn State that you and I reviewed last year that's on San Francisco, he's starting now, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Brown, right? I I think, you know, when we spoke about him in the offseason, it was before he got drafted and it was this conversation is, is he good enough to be a starter in the NFL? And I think my response was, I think he's borderline, but I would lean towards no. I don't think he was good enough. I think it goes to show how situational dependent a lot of players are, right? And it's not even just the good ones, right? It's it's a lot of players. So we're going to talk about this more when we get to our quarterbacks episode, but I wanted to flirt that a little bit, right? I think a Caleb Williams, you know, you might not think he's situational dependent, but then you go and look at how many quarterbacks have been unsuccessful with very similar skill sets, right? You look at Baker, Kyler, these guys that just didn't make it. So is there a situation that lets those guys flourish versus guys that let them fail? I think Brown is a great example of, he went to San Francisco and it just, now it looks incredible, right? And a guy like him going to the Super Bowl on your fantasy team, that's awesome. That's so cool. So like, that's exactly what you want to see for a player like that. So I do think it matters a little bit. Um, but okay, you're, with that you're already
1: calling curtains on uh, on Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield's careers. That's it. It's it's over. It's I'm wrap. not.
0: I'm not, but I do think that like when you have a franchise franchise quarterback like Kyler and the coach gets fired after 2 3 seasons, it's not a good thing, right? Like most franchise quarterbacks, them and their their coach last a very long time together. Right? I think okay. that's fair to say.
1: It's, it's fair. It, I and mean, they, they it, the, the window, I mean, obviously for Baker's on a third team right now, but the window where you have like that, you have that rookie quarterback contract that you want to take advantage of. If you're a franchise guy that really sets you up for the long term was, was missed um, on both sides and not necessarily Baker's fault. We've talked about that and I I'm not going to go down that road again, but, but yeah, the, the first window
0: was, was missed. Right. Exactly. So, That's just a little teaser of some of the things I want to talk about during the QB episode. But let's get back to the Super Bowl. I want to know from your perspective kind of like what you think the 49ers need to win this game.
1: Oh, man, they need to run the ball and be better than their counterpart. This is going to sound very simple, but hear me out (laughs) on the other side of the ball. Meaning, if you were to look at these two rosters and you except for obviously the 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 elephant in the room at quarterback the 49ers have a large advantage and when you look at some of the key matchups whether it's their edge rushers versus offensive tackles of of the chiefs um, their corners versus the receiving core of the chiefs right Even if you say, well, Travis Kelsey is phenomenal. Okay, 49ers linebackers are fantastic. And their safety play, we just kind of touched on it, has been very good. So at all three levels, they match up better than their counterpart every step of the way on that side of the ball. But then, of course, there's just Pat Mahomes, which could literally just erase all of that. So when I say be better than your counterpart, play in and play out. I mean, literally at every single play, you cannot lose sight of Travis Kelsey and you just have to play to that advantage that you have on defense because it is literally everywhere. And then just, just run the darn ball because on offense, that's just what you're going to have to do. You got to play keep away. It's so cliche, but you have Shanahan, you have that offense, you have McCaffrey go ahead And lean on that; those are your best players. Are you know again Christian McCaffrey? um, Then you can kind of open things up with with the tight ends and Kittle. Then you can kind of work in the receivers like Ayuk. But it starts with that running game and McCaffrey and what can be schemed up by Shanahan so that you control the clock. And then on defense, again, just do you cannot slip up on those one on one battles that you have the advantage in because you have Pat Mahomes on the other side of the ball. That sounds very cliche, but
0: it's what it is. So the first thing you said is they need to run the ball successfully. Maybe to their their benefit, right? Charles Amenehu is out. And Nick Bolton has been playing probably the worst play of his career. The last two games, he's graded under a 50. So that is a huge benefit, right? So like half of the defensive front of the Chiefs is either out or underperforming where Leo Chanel and Chris Jones still massive, you know, game changing players, but the other half is, is either underperforming or out. So that could be an advantage to the 49ers where maybe they can capitalize on that and, and get the most out of the run game. I think you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? It's a 10 out of 10, right? We, we weight these players based on positional importance, how much they get paid quarterbacks worth over 10% of your total team. Patrick Mahomes is the 10%, right? Like he, he exceeds that level like he is that good right so you're right all of those other additions that the 49ers are better than the chiefs at can all be almost wiped away by simply Patrick Mahomes being on the chiefs so for me it's that third down Patrick Mahomes that's what the 49ers need to be able to stop we talked about how you know i wanted to see Patrick Mah- Patrick Mahomes get bodied a few times and i still want that to happen but that's really the third downs that he's just able to extend these plays and and convert on third down to keep drives alive. That's honestly unparalleled, unmatched in the NFL today. Nobody else is doing it quite like Patrick Mahomes is. So if they can limit that, like you said, with Fred Warner and the other great players on that defense, I think they have a chance. I think the only other thing I'd note is, Purdy needs to limit the turnover-worthy plays. He's gotten extremely, extremely lucky where his turnover, turnover-worthy turnover plays are not actually converting into turnovers. That could change very, very quickly when you play a team that has Lejeria Sneed, Justin Reed, and Trent McDuffie, right? Like those players will get to the football and make you turn the ball over. So I think they need, need, need Purdy to just follow the script and do what everybody's blaming him of doing, which is being just a... Kind of a, um, what do they call it? Like a uh, just game a, manager, Bus a game manager, right? That's hey, I'd be a game manager of a Super Bowl winning team too. I have no qualms about that, right? Does not knock him for me. If that's what he needs to do to win the game, that's what he needs to do. So on the flip side, what about the Chiefs? What do the Chiefs need to win? Obviously, it's going to be a lot of the opposite of what we just said. But is there anything that sticks out to you?
1: It's literally just Mahomes continuing to do what he does because. You have Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith blocking uh, Bosa and Chase Young, Nick Bosa and Chase Young. So, I mean, most mortal quarterbacks, pretty much every other quarterback in the league, that is something that could wreck the game for them. And with Mahomes, it's just one of those deals where we don't even expect it to, right? Um, So it's, it's so simplistic, but it's literally just, mahomes just continuing to extend drives the way he does because you cannot point to any matchup outside of just saying that mahomes is going to do what he does on the offensive side of the ball and say okay that's what the chiefs need to exploit yes obviously you're going to lean on travis kelsey but again we're talking about travis kelsey against maybe the best linebacking core in the nfl and great safety play so you have that aspect where, yes, he's Travis Kelsey, but it's not an advantage for you. It's not a mismatch, rather. You may still have the advantage, but it's not a mismatch that you can exploit uh, for three straight hours during the Super Bowl, right? Out wide, you are clearly outclassed by the by the secondary of of the 49ers. Your wide receivers on their own cannot create for themselves or, or, or separate or carry any sort of... Um, offensive proficiency that is not provided to them by Pat Mahomes. So that's out of the picture. So you're simply leaning on your stars on offense, which is Mahomes and I guess Kelsey. And then on the flip side, you have Steve Spagnuolo. That's uh, he has two weeks to prepare against a great scheme, but also a quarterback, like you mentioned, that is prone to those uh, turnover worthy throws and Spagnolo kind of has a history on the big stage of making opposing quarterbacks pay for mistakes and limiting uh, not just high-flying, but just high-powered offenses overall. So I think it, you just kind of continue what you're doing schematically on defense, depend on Mahomes to extend those drives and frustrate that uh, 49ers defense, and that's your recipe for winning.
0: Okay. I think there's this game's going to come down to two things. One of them is if you've watched the playoff so far, it's been a who just commits the less less mistakes, who turns the ball over less. And the Chiefs and the 49ers have won that every single time. They have been the team that keeps their poise. We talked about it last episode, right? Tom Brady's the king of that. Mahomes is becoming the king of that. But I think the 49ers have done a good job of that in their own right. The only thing I'd say is there's a lot of luck on the 49ers side where I don't think there's a lot of luck on the chief side. It's skill. So for me, it's, I think the chiefs can take advantage of that and make Purdy actually turn the ball over. And if they do that, I think they win the game. I think the other thing is number two is I think the 49ers and Ravens are a very similar stylistic strength team, right? The defense is extremely strong. They had all the same weapons on defense that, you know, the 49ers do maybe besides some of the edge rush power. But, uh, and then their offense is just running hard, hard nosed football style offense. Yes, the 49ers have more weapons uh, in terms of receivers, but Lamar is a far superior quarterback than Brock Purdy, too, right? So I think he kind of levels out. I I think the Chiefs just end up winning this game. I don't know if you saw this as well, but it's, you know, there's been, uh, I think, four other situations where head coaches have matched off multiple times in Super Bowls. And every single time the coach that won the first time won the second time as well. So, that, you know, Andy Reid beating Kyle Shanahan the first time, I think we see that happen again.
1: Yeah. Uh, before I get to sort of the, the overarching factor here, right? We, everybody agrees the 49ers have the defensive personnel advantage, right? However, on that side of the ball, when you look at the two defenses, I do think Spagnolo being in the Chiefs corner, having those two weeks to, pref- to prepare, not doesn't negate that, but it sort of evens the scale a little bit when you're comparing the two defenses. And then on offense, I believe it was I think it was Andrew Brand who said this uh, on his podcast last week. But you simply don't bet against Michael Jordan. and that's that's what it is with Pat Mahomes at this point. You just you don't bet against Michael Jordan. and that's that's who he is right now. He's in his prime. He's leading his team to multiple championships. This is his run right now. It's his world. Everybody else is just living in it. You don't bet against that. Even if you were to look side-by-side side at your typical key matchups going into every game, most of them are going to all favor the 49ers, but you don't bet against Michael Jordan.
0: I can't believe we're we're there. <laughs> I can't believe we're there. And just remember, Michael Jordan never lost a championship, and Mahomes already has. So maybe we're betting against LeBron James.
1: No, no, stop. we're not doing we're not, we
0: are not gonna do this this episode. No. <laughs> All it's right. Different. So it is it is Super Bowl weekend. We wanted to start off the episode talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, we are super excited about it. I hope you are too. I hope you have a bunch of food planned. Uh, my family, we do a six foot hero. I'm getting wings. I'm getting four dozen wings. We're making chili and potentially ribs. What's your menu looking like, Ray?
1: actually don't know what the menu looks like actually it's very similar but we're also celebrating a birthday in the family at the same time so it's one of those where it's like there's going to be all the typical foods plus birthday cake i just hope they don't skimp out on the amount of wings and and meats because oh you know we're having this dessert and we're also doing this celebration they're like no i want full-fledged like football eating food you know football watching foods That's don't, don't, don't skimp out on me just because you're trying to sort of, you know, split the holiday here, all football foods, all finger foods, all wings, meats, give me all that good stuff. Hopefully they don't, uh,
0: you know, they don't, they don't skimp out on that, but, uh,
1: yeah, pretty much what you said. Plus birthday
0: cake. Okay. It's my brother's birthday this weekend too. And I would say happy birthday, but I know that there's a 0% chance he listens to this podcast, but we're going to have, we're going to have a cake as well. I'll text him after this. That's, that's, that's messed up. All right. Next thing we wanted to talk about was Spencer Rattler. So rumors are going around is that senior bowl, senior bowl, senior bowl. What the hell? Yeah, senior bowl. Yeah, senior bowl. Yeah. Why am I too many
1: S bowls? Yeah. Senior bowl, not super Bowl. bowl. He's not in the super bowl, Chris. He's not in the super bowl.
0: Senior bowl reports are that he exceeded expectations at practice. He was a standout and he performed really well in the senior bowl game So we wanted to talk about that a little bit, unpack it, because we didn't dedicate an entire episode to Spencer Rattler. And I don't think we really need to, to be quite honest. But I want to hear your thoughts just kind of overall on what you think of the prospect, what you think he did out there uh, for the Senior Bowl, and did it change the stock at all?
1: He had a good week, um, but in comparison to other good weeks, I'm looking at quarterbacks in past years, right? I mean, you go all the way back to, to Philip rivers and how he catapulted his stock all the way up to Dak Prescott and, and, uh, his connection made with the Cowboys during that week, uh, before, you know, leading up to his draft class. I don't, I don't see that level of, of change in his stock, right? I think he's always had some ability and has always flashed some ability throughout his college career. Um, he can be a very good deep passer, but the ball placement has always been inconsistent and the decision-making has always been hit and miss. And, you know, you can, when you have the type of tools that he has, you can put it together for a week in, in scripted scenarios and such. It's when the bullets start flying in an actual NFL game, when the, when the defenders are moving faster and there's more going on, he didn't do enough to move the needle for me to really change how I feel about his prospects long-term as far as ever becoming a starter or a steady starter in the league. Could be wrong, but um, yeah, it it was a positive week for him, improved his stock a little bit, but it doesn't change my outlook of what I think of his career in the NFL moving forward. Maybe that's, I'm also known to be pretty stubborn based on some first impressions and QB one was not a very good first impression for me. If you ever saw some of that, show docu-series whatever it's called
0: okay so yeah I'm I'm in agreement with you there I did watch all of his snaps at the senior bowl uh, in practice and in the game I think in practice he looked good but like you said it's scripted it's kind of easy to look good they're meant to look good Uh, most of his snaps are against no rush right he's just throwing uh, wide receiver versus DB maybe and again you have a huge advantage on offense when you're doing drills like that then you see the game film and I think people were really impressed with the game film I wasn't as impressed, right? Like I think he completed like six or seven passes. I'd say 95% of them were running back drop-offs. And then he hits the one down the sideline for the touchdown receiver. Definitely beat the cornerback on the route, had a few uh, steps of separation in the end zone and actually had to slow down to catch the ball. And it ended up being a contested catch where I don't think it necessarily should have been. I think that was not necessarily a great throw by Rattler, right? Like he made a great decision by throwing the ball to the receiver but it wasn't a exceptional throw to the receiver because it should have been just an easy touchdown catch for him, and it ended up not being that. I think a lot of the points you said are accurate where first impressions are hard to break. Yes, he could have gone out there and done better and become a new player. I'm always of the the, the um, mindset of if you're in a situation to show something and to be successful and you've shown me that you can't, that says a lot more to me than a prospect that hasn't had an opportunity to show me yet. And I'm judging him based on that, right? So if a guy hasn't shown me he can do it because he hasn't had the opportunity, I'm gonna judge him a lot less harshly than a prospect that has had all the opportunity in the world and just hasn't done it, right? And I think that's where that's where Rattler is in my mind. He's He's had the opportunities, he's been in two really good programs with a lot of talent around him. So for him not to be able to be successful yet in college tells me that there's probably a very, very low chance that he is in the NFL. And he has all the athleticism in the world. He has a natural throwing motion, uh, you know, a live strong arm. He has all of those tools. So like I talk about JJ McCarthy and I'm like, I like JJ McCarthy. I would definitely take a risk on him at some point early on. I don't feel the same way about Rattler because I think Rattler has shown me he can't do something, right? Whereas I think JJ McCarthy you know, won a championship and with the limited opportunities that he was given did enough to carry his team forward and lift his team. So, you know, I just want to be clear there about what I mean by the situations are just different. And I would root for the prospect like McCarthy, where I wouldn't for one like Rattler.
1: Yeah. To your point, he was given the keys. Spencer Rattler was a five-star prospect who was given all the opportunities in the world to be a star. And he never became that star. Yes. He transferred, became a starter and had some, you know, some success, but he was to borrow a phrase. That's pretty popular in big 10 circles these days, essentially born on third base. And he never scored. He never actually got home. And so for that, it's like, okay, now I'm going to up the difficulty here and expect you to, you know, to ascend. I'm sure it's happened before and it's possible, but it's not something I would bank on. So. I'll leave it at that. You can, you have your, your JJ McCarthy take there. I think he and Rattler could start a fire podcast in a couple of years um, when that's their primary source of income moving forward. But um, yeah, uh, that, that's basically the take on Rattler. I think, you know, if, if the maturity aspect is there and has grown, which was uh, one of the, the things, one of the points of emphasis and concern early on in his career if that has improved, that's great. And I think that's something that could allow him to be, um, whether it's a a high-end backup in the league for a while, I think he can afford himself that opportunity based on his approach to the game because he does have tools. But again, he, he, he had the opportunity to really show us that he can ascend to that level. Never quite got there. And that's okay. You can still carve out a career for yourself in the league, but not at the level of a franchise quarterback or long-term starter.
0: Ray, can you name out all of the starting quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has coached since headed back to college?
1: So there was Baker, Kyler, Caleb. Um, I'm missing a couple. I'm missing a couple. Rattler. I'm missing a big one. Well, yeah, Rattler. I I thought I was excluding him. I thought there might have been one more, but it's probably, yeah. He's the only one. Well, Hurts.
0: Hurst, I knew there was one. Right. Yes, so like that's kind of the point I just wanted to make really quickly is if you look at the quarterbacks that's that Lincoln Riley has coached, they're all first, second round picks, and a lot of them are top five picks, right? Spencer Rattler being the one that gets shipped off and is like not in that conversation should tell you probably what you need to know, know about him, in my yeah. opinion.
1: And outside of Caleb was the most highly regarded of them going in. So right, yeah, you know, was afforded the best opportunity.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, so that's all I wanted to talk about with Spencer Rattler. I think we don't need to bash him. I hope that he goes and has a very successful NFL career. Just, you know, if I was a betting man, that's not necessarily where I would put my money. But next thing I want to talk about, last thing I want to talk about is we are the all 22 podcast for a reason. It's because we have the all 22 platform, which is a fantasy football game that includes all 22 players on the field. Yes. Offensive lineman included. And honestly, we don't talk about that enough, right? So it is now the off season of the all 22 game. And I want to know, right? Like from your perspective, what are the things that you think about heading into the off season?
1: I think about what it's going to take for you to ever accept one of my trades. Um, but, this really the great thing about all 22 right is is the dynasty aspect of it the whole gm aspect of it we are managing a team year over year so you could take a long-term view uh of of your roster whether you know if it's a long-term rebuild that's fine you got something to look forward to and you can make moves based off of that it's not just about trying to contend for the next 12 months if that's not in the cards so this time of year i like to really sort of take advantage of and see if i can get a leg up on everyone else um Based on my focus on the draft. Right. But if I was to to sort of break down how I approach the offseason overall, I think the first thing I do is take inventory of my roster at the end of every season. More me than you, clearly. Um, I have a lot of players on injured reserve. It just it just ends up that way. Right. Some you know some people are lucky and they don't. Um, but most of us, when you're managing a 53 man roster over the course of a season, you're going to have about a dozen guys, uh, end up on your injured reserve at the end of the year. Right. And so based off of, uh, those comings and goings, and then additions through free agency and trades, I want to take a look at every player that I have on my active roster and injured reserve and try to come up with a mock 53 of what that roster will look like. If I were to, Play a game. You know, if Week One was coming tomorrow, what would my fifty-three man roster be today? And then, based off of that, I'll identify my, you know, what I want to improve on, what what positions uh, I want to target in the draft. What are my positions of strength that maybe I could leverage for some trade discussions? Or if I just want to keep that depth and know I don't have to worry about it, that's great too. But basically, first things first is take inventory of my roster overall and see what it would look like if I had to play a game tomorrow. And then based off of those strengths and weaknesses, I'm also taking a look at the current draft class and seeing if it's strong at those positions that I need. And I think that's a step that many users don't do, at least not in February right, or early February. But you and I, we're nuts. We watch this stuff year round. I'm taking inventory to see you know, what is the strength of this draft class, right? We talked about offensive tackle and how that's a, you know, well actually offensive line as a whole really, and how that's a big position of strength in this upcoming class. So if I need linemen, I'm taking a look at that and going, okay, great. I pick, you know, sixth or seventh in the, in the first round or whatever it is. Can I realistically expect to get one of my top targets at a position of need at that spot, or do I have to make some trades maybe to improve my draft position or trade for an active player? Um, you know, to to again fill those holes. I'm doing all that right now in February. Um, again, taking stock, taking inventory. So when trades open up and the platform advances into the twenty twenty four uh off season leading into the season, um, you know, in a couple of weeks here at the end of the month, I'm already, you know, ahead of the game, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. And I think if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard our, you know, we're the GMs of these teams, and we're thinking about what we would do in the offseason to set the team up for success for now for the long term. And the steps are the same, right? Like, that's why that tagline you're seeing at the bottom of your screen says, less fantasy, more football, right? It's because, yes, this is a fantasy game. But because it's all twenty-two players, because it's a fifty-three-man roster, you think about it the exact same way you would an NFL roster. So all of the things we talk about translate, right? And that's why we're doing this. That's what we don't we don't just make these podcast episodes for fun, even though they are super fun, uh, because in reality, it's it's supposed to be translating for you what the game is compared to the NFL, right? And it is very much the same. So I agree with your steps. The first thing I'm doing, right, is who's my coach? No, I'm just kidding. It's what's my logo, right? Like it's in <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It's it's things like that though that you get to have fun. Branding with, right? matters, yeah. You can change your logo, you can change your colors, you can create your uniforms, right? So like all of those things you can do in all 22 that you might want to change it in the off season. I know Chris De Palma, friend of the pod. Every year he's changing his logo and his colors because if he sucks, he needs to rebrand. Like he he just won't carry that forward. He can't, he can't take that energy into the next season. So that's something you can do. But yeah, it's it's making a checklist of my current roster. And I wanna see where my holes are, right? Like who do I expect not to make my team next year because it's a guy that I was carrying just as extra, extra weight because I have the space and I know that I'm gonna get rid of. And then what positions are just flat out weak, right? Like I think your your point before about offensive linemen being a strength in this draft, I bet if a lot of all 22 users go back and look at their roster, they're going to look at their offensive line and go, wow, my interior sucks, right? And that's like the, half of the NFL does that, right? That's why you have that issue is because a lot of NFL teams do. So you want to make that checklist and understand where your needs are. Like you said, Ray, you're going to look at the draft and say, what are the strengths of this draft? Do they match the strengths or, or the weaknesses of my team? And if not, Are there trades that I can make to fill those weaknesses now? Or do I have to wait till after the draft to fill those weaknesses? Because the worst thing you can do is reach for a guy in a draft, right? Where you're, you're drafting a guard at pick two, because that's your biggest need. And there's a guy like Drake May sitting there that somebody else has a high value on, right? But if you wait till that last minute, you might miss the opportunity to trade back, trade that pick and get three first round picks for that quarterback pick. That starts right now. And that's what you have to do. Um, and then, yeah, it's targeting free agents, right? Like what free agents are you going to bid on that last week leading up to the season? Cause that's when free agency opens up again for one week before the season. So which guys are you targeting that you think you can win before the season begins that can really round out your team?
1: Yeah. Again, all things that really sort of mirror, mirror what decision makers are doing, right now we really have been doing for for a few months right cuz i don't think the users in our league although it seems like it i don't think they have fully staffed scouting departments that are hitting the road on college campuses all year uh but yeah it's this is it's early in the off season but it gets late fast i mean we are under 80 days before the draft already if you can believe it and it just doesn't quite feel that way super bowl hasn't been played yet but yeah we are 3 weeks away from the combine and less than 3 months away from the draft so you don't want to be scrambling come draft day or the week of the NFL draft to try to figure out what your plan is and what you want to do with these young players out of position of need. So you want to stay ahead of the game and you don't have to scour hours and hours of, of film of every single prospect um, to, you know, determine who you let, you know, do a whole draft board of, of all the rookies that are coming into the league right now. That's, that's what, that's what you have us for. That's, that's why we're here for you every week. Um, but you want to have an idea of the strengths of the class and how deep each position in the class is so that, you know, based on the results of the draft, then you just have to worry about maybe making some adjustments here or there, depending on the situations that players land in. You mentioned it earlier, how, um, the situation is so critical for young players and their you know, future success in the league where someone like Jair Brown, who we were talking last year about how this was a pretty weak uh, draft class at safety maybe didn't have the depth we liked there were a couple of players i think you were high on uh, you know branch for example i was i was high on brown but we didn't neither of us went into the to the draft saying there are 10 11 12 good safeties here that will be starters in 2 years uh, coming out of this class it wasn't there right so if you knew that going in but you had a couple guys that you had your eye on one of them goes to the 49ers. That's a good organization. That's a good defense surrounded by great talent on the upfront that probably, you know, moves them up a little bit in your eyes. And that's something not bad. Some someone that you might want to make sure to target. Uh, during your draft, as opposed to, you know, maybe someone that you might want to fade if they do enter into a bad situation or they're not going to get the ball quite as much as, as you'd hope. Um, again, those things matter, but you want to be in a position where you are simply making tweaks and adjustments based on the results of the draft, rather than trying to formulate your opinion after the draft that there's not enough time for that. You are going to be flat footed. Um, Again, this is all 22. You are managing a full roster. You cannot procrastinate and do that effectively. It's just not going to work out for you. Totally. If you had listened to us and we told you about Keanu Benton, then again, you would have been ahead of the game. So again,
0: that's why you cannot procrastinate. And and you were right. We are your scouting department. So you don't have one, but you can come into the All-22 podcast. We broke down all the quarterbacks. We're going to have episodes on every position of this draft. We're going to be talking about these prospects. Ray, I didn't tell you this yet, but I've actually finished my scouting of the tackles, guards, and centers. So... I'm a little bit ahead of you maybe here, uh, but I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Like you talked about, we have 80 days till draft day. When, when I didn't do this, that 80 days felt like forever. And I'd be like, why don't they move the draft up to February? Now I'm like <laughs> 80 days is right around the corner. And I still have a bunch of positions to review. So, but we're, we're your scouting department. Yes. You could come to the all 22 podcast where you're going to see our breakdowns. You're going to secure us talking about these prospects, but I'm also going to be writing articles. Bobby will be writing articles and we're going to be putting out rankings and graphics all over social media. So we are here for you. We're going to help support you so that you have the information you need come draft day.
1: Yeah, I'm not much of a writer. So maybe I'll try to put put something down. But uh, yeah, you know me. I just like to talk a lot instead. But um, Chris, I'm already, I mean, I follow recruiting. So I'm looking at 2028 20, draft prospects right now in the mid-Atlantic
0: and I'm so far ahead of of, of where you're going to be. So again, mm-hmm. that's what we're here for, guys. That's right. So, I mean, it sounds like Ray needs to put out his ranking so that we can do a uh, check the receipts a year from now or two years or five years from now. And I can prove that I'm a better scout than you. That's yeah, it's not quite how it works. We talked about
1: situation dependency about 58 seconds ago. But um, true. sure. Uh, true. I'll, I'll write an article. I'll, I'll, I'll put something down.
0: I love it. All right. So everyone. That's all we got for today. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast and enjoy Super Bowl weekend.
1: Big announcement coming soon.